You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the final part of the show, we get a view from the US, from Barry Wood, who is RTHK's international economics correspondent. Good morning, Barry, or good evening, I should say. Yes, and good morning to you, Nitin. So, um, it's crunch time in Detroit, but it looks like it. Um, <laughs> UAW's still not settled um, with the Detroit 3. This is surely having an effect on these companies, and... Um, must be affecting their competitiveness, or and could they have some financial troubles ahead? Absolutely. No, this is getting serious now because this strike among the Detroit Three, affecting the Detroit Three, from the United Auto Workers Union has gone on for over four weeks. It's getting on towards five weeks. The auto companies have lost at least five to seven billion dollars, and there have been increasing layoffs of non-union people at other plants because the UAW is targeting all three companies selectively. So look, um, we've had a couple new developments that I think are significant. One, Bill Ford, who is the great-grandson of the founder of the Ford Motor Company, said, look, the auto industry is at a crossroads. We can't afford to go any further. They've already offered a 25% wage increase over four years. They are balking, apparently, at allowing the UAW to unionize the new battery plants that are un under construction in Kentucky and Tennessee. And they've allowed to protect the workers at transmission plants because it's all about the transition to electric vehicles. And the Detroit 3 lag way behind. So as Bill Ford said, look, this is a gift to Toyota, who's non-union in the United States, Indiana, Kentucky, Alabama, and to Tesla in California and in Austin, Texas. So, yeah, I think it's crunch time in Detroit. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the big three have come quite a long way in terms of conceding ground, and yet it seems the UAW just won't budge. And that, is that partly because they've had the president on their side? Is it partly because they just feel that they can hold these companies to ransom? But in the long run, like yeah, you just I said, it's hurting them, right? It's hurting the UAW. They're, they're going to lose jobs ultimately. Well, it, it will hurt them because you're right about the president of the United States endorsing their demands. The public seems to be behind the union. Uh, and uh, indeed, the competitive position of the Detroit Three is eroding. It's already at a 25% disadvantage to Tesla and Toyota and to the other companies making cars in the United States that are non-unionized. So if they're going to get a big wage increase of 25 to 30 to 35 percent, that's going to erode that competitiveness even more. And there's no way that the Detroit Three are making money on electric vehicles. We should remember, Nitin, that Tesla has cut its prices and it's got a 60 to 70 percent market share in electric vehicles. They've cut the prices repeatedly. They can absorb that, but the Detroit Three, first of all, don't have cars that the public wants to buy, and secondly, they lose a fortune on every car they build. Yeah, and you talk about Tesla. I mean, they miss their estimates, um, and uh, just based on the fact that they couldn't deliver enough car, and you know, profits were down on that. So, how are they being affected, and what? Why are they missing these deliveries and these estimates? Because they cut prices. I listened to the earnings call a short 
couple hours ago from Elon Musk and his team in Austin, Texas. Uh, if there's one repeated mantra that Musk voiced, it is, we must get the cost of the car down so that people can afford it. Because with higher interest rates and people buy cars on monthly payments, you've got to get those monthly payments down. Well, Tesla can do that. The Detroit 3 cannot. But you're right. Tesla's sales and profits were down about 25%. But I don't think that's going to be a big obstacle to the company going forward. Yeah, it's all uh, it's all very very interesting in the in the automobile world. As I said, I do fear for the Detroit Three. I, I just think, like you said, they're not producing electric cars, so that in itself makes them uncompetitive in terms of where the world's going going forward. Um, but yeah, and the workers are just holding them to ransom, so I can't see how they can start competing going forward and whether they can exist. You're right, Nitin, and let's not forget that the auto workers union has lost about seventy percent, seven zero percent of its membership in the last 30 years. It's a shadow of the power it was once. And of course, the Detroit three are far less powerful. So both of them, the union and the companies in Detroit, have gone downhill while the rest of the world and certainly the other producers in the United States, German, Korean, Japanese, are all doing well, but they're non-unionized. So should we move from one shambles to another? And uh, let's talk about <laughs> yes. the Speaker of the House. I mean, it's still a week later. We were discussing this a week ago, and uh, we still haven't got anyone there. That's true. And Jim Jordan, who is the right of center person who replaced Steve Scalise, who was more centrist, who bowed out even before a vote, and of course, then a couple of weeks ago, we had the demise of Kevin McCarthy. These are all Republicans in the House of Representatives. There was a second vote on Wednesday, which Jordan fell short. Now there's going to be another vote, we think, on Thursday. But you're right. It's a catastrophe for the Republicans. The House of Representatives cannot do any business, according to its charter, until they have elected a speaker. And they're not close to getting a speaker. But every time they vote, it seems like more and more Republicans turn. So is there any point to do another vote or should they just find another candidate to become the speaker? I think it's going to be the latter, what you just mentioned. They're probably going to find someone else, someone who has not been prominent in the party, but who might be a centrist who could hold people together. You know, the Republicans have a very narrow majority of five or six in the House. The Democrats don't want to help them at all. So, yeah, I think the Republicans are in a tough spot. The leadership has said they want someone chosen this week. Well, it's getting towards the end of the week and they haven't made any progress. Yeah, OK. Um, in the last minute or so, I also wanted to touch on the uh, long-dated uh, bond rates. Um, getting close to 5%. Yet we're not expecting any rate hikes in the next meeting or and a low chance of it happening again this year. So I guess it's just a signal that while rates might be steady, they're going to be steady for a very long time. I think you're right, Nitin, and you're a financial man more than I. I think when you've got the tenure very close, just under 5%, that really is a pretty clear signal that the interest rate rise is having an impact. 
it affects the housing market, the auto market, credit cards. Credit card costs, interest rates now are 20% or more. Those rates are going to remain high as for longer, as you suggest, but I don't think there's going to be a further rate hike because the economy is clearly slowing. All right. Um, unfortunately, we are running out of time. So um, that's literally all the time we had for. So I would like to thank Barry Wood, who's RTHK's International Economics Correspondent. It's always good chatting to you, Barry. So thanks for coming on. 